You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 281 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. What's happening in Gina world? Well, uh, what have I been doing? Like, as you know, in Australia, it's been a bit of a hairy time with all Mm. the fires and everything and... um, sort of living in the area that I live, we have to sort of have a fire plan. And Mm -hmm. um, really interesting when you've got like, you know, you've got to prepare yourself, you've got to sort of pack what you would take if you were going to leave your house. So the Mm. most important things, and there has been like one occasion already where we've had to leave and the things Mm. that I packed in, you know, the 10 minutes that I had to (laughs) was um, the cat. Yes. The dog. Yes. And photos, like all my yes. photo album, like family photos, and then all my archives. And so that got me thinking about like how important it is, no matter where you live in the world, to have an archive that you have of your images on hard mm. drive, if you're a photographer, of all your images that you have at home, but also most important that you have a separate backup that you have off-site somewhere because if you can't get access to that that archive or something happens and you do mm. have something at another site with a good backup. so you Or know, in the cloud? Uh, yeah, in the cloud as well, uh, but I would also have a separate physical backup somewhere else and take it, you know, have it at uh, like another, you know, at a friend's house, at your parents' house or wherever, just whenever you do a backup storage is really cheap now like I was looking Mm. at um eight terabyte hard drives uh on Amazon like around two hundred dollars eight terabyte now that is super super cheap and the other thing that I do regularly is I take all the previous hard drives and it's sort of when I started archiving my work you know 20 odd years ago the hard drives were only like 300 um gig in size and now you've mm. got like you know eight I think you can get 10 terabytes but like mm. you know so I take the old hard drives because they will fail eventually and yes. then I move them along so that's uh super important to do well and then I also packed the suitcase and as my daughter was standing next to me going you have to leave now what are you doing you're not packing for barley because I was sitting there <laughs> sitting there going, which blue T-shirts should I pack? <laughs> so I packed all my blue T-shirts and, uh, you know, all into a, a suitcase. So um, very important, I think, to make sure that you, uh, you know, take care of that archiving and regularly have a look at and know where all your photos are. Mm, because once the, it's gone, it's gone. 
Just in case anyone is worried, Gina is okay. I'm and fine. Area yeah, no, we're okay. all fine. And today, and in fact, was I reading on the news that that particular fire was as a result of arson? Uh, there's been a, quite a few, uh, sadly, that are mm. the result of arson. But Terrible. yeah, it's been uh, not a fantastic start to the year. But hopefully, mm. uh, things will get better. All right, let's move on to more positive topics. What's been happening with the gold community? Okay, so I am just about finished with the headshot course. I'm very, very proud of this course. It's mm. everything I have uh, learnt over the last uh, 30 years, uh, all in one uh, course, uh, heaps and heaps of tutorials, and it's more uh, a lot of information on not only how to pose uh, to get a, a good looking headshot of someone but also how to light how to style everything you need to know and most importantly how to get good connection and very few people uh, teach this technique and you were with me for all of these so mm -hmm. like I've uh, been editing a lot of images that y y you were there as well Val and yep. uh, all those tips to take someone who might be and let's face it most people are nervous in front of a camera most people get uptight so it's how to get uh, that uh, uh, relaxed and authentic smile like a real smile and get rid of that rabbit in the spotlight look or that photo face that people often pull and that can be the difference mm -hmm. between a great headshot and one that's just average and it all comes down to lighting and putting that injecting that energy and capturing that person's personality because you know these days uh, often with the world the way it is, and we were just talking about this earlier, Val, that people don't like to leave home anymore and meet face-to-face. -face. <laughs> so often uh, the first uh, meeting you will have with someone it will be at, uh, and I think it's a good idea that everyone that has an email signature has a photo on that signature because then, then you're actually a person, not just a, a name on mm. an email. But I think that that first headshot is so important to um, let people know who they're talking to and that's uh, often that first introduction so that if you can be uh, that headshot photographer that can take these uh, beautiful images where people look amazing uh, then I think you can have a, a really good business there's tons of work out there for people so uh, I'm excited to uh, bring this course out and of course uh, gold members are already previewing uh, a lot of these tutorials as well Val yeah, brilliant. That's fantastic. And uh, if you want to be a gold member so that you can get access to uh, these tutorials and to um, some of the fabulous courses that Gina has, have a listen to this. This podcast is brought to you by the gold community. I love working with members of my gold community. It's incredible to see them grow and develop as photographers. Here's what Kim Partridge had to say. So I joined, I think, last July time after listening to the podcast for a little while and absolutely fantastic. I've been in there on a couple of occasions when I've been really stressed or I've had problems on a shoot and not only have I had fantastic encouragement from other members, um, but also like spot on advice quickly when needed from, from Gina. So yeah, it's, a, it's been a fantastic experience. How have you changed in terms of how you are as a photographer when you first came in to today? Just immensely. Um, I mean, when you look, if I look at my shots personally from, from day one and then look at how I'm shooting now and just the way I'm taking my time more, composing differently, uh, 
using so many different tools that you've taught me over the course of this week is, yeah, incomparable. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold community, just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right, so this week's topic is how to share or sell your art on social media without being salesy. Who have we got this week, Gina? Yeah, so uh, we've got a couple of uh, fantastic guests who I found when I stumbled on their amazing podcast called The Makers Collective, and I'll put a link in the show notes because I think it's a great podcast for creatives. Mm. And um, we have uh, Lacey Heels, who is a marketing marketing strategist and business coach and creative entrepreneur and Lara Hart who is the operations and project manager and a finance coach and a serial entrepreneur and uh, on this episode Lacey and Lara share some fantastic practical tips about getting started with social media. Now Val, social media for many, uh, can be quite intimidating when mm. you're first starting out. And uh, also, a lot of uh, photographers feel uh, like don't like posting on social media if you're trying to share or even sell your art or sell your services because you feel salesy or a bit dirty or a bit yeah. thirsty is the yeah. word as well. So uh, the Lacey and Laura says, share some fantastic tips on um, things like uh, what social media platform uh, you should be on, mm. uh, uh, whether you should uh, secure all of them or just stick to one, uh, tips on how to manage uh, time-life balance without burning out, mm. how to post on social media uh, without sounding too pushy, salesy or thirsty I love that word thirsty, thirsty. Uh, <laughs> how often you should post uh, the best scheduling tools that you can use and uh, one that I love is the importance of calling yourself a photographer even though you're just a beginner uh, how to deal with imposter syndrome uh, what sort of stuff you should post setting realistic goals and uh, a really important topic on uh, comparison and how that affects uh, mental health and how to deal with that. So uh, great show. Uh, shall, shall we have a listen? Yeah, definitely. So let's have a listen to Lacey Heels and Laura Hart. Laura and Lacey, welcome to the show. How are you going? Hello. So good. <laughs> Hello, Gina. Thanks for having us. Yes. I feel like we're going to have a lot of moments of talking over each other, but we'll do our best to uh, yeah, rein it in. <laughs> That's great. I'm excited to chat to you. But before we start, a question I always ask uh, my guests is, where in the world are you? Well, we are in Ontario, Canada. Um, more specifically, we are in Kitchener-Waterloo, which is kind of near Toronto. Fantastic. I haven't been, but it's definitely on my list. I can't, I can't wait. We've got a lot of Canadians that uh, listen to the show as well. So um, just before we get started, um, do you want to give us a little bit of background um, about what you do? I mean, I've been listening um, to your amazing podcast, The Makers Collective, but how did you get started uh, doing that? What, what are your backgrounds? Absolutely. So um, Makers Collective really um, started out of a need. Um, so both Laura and I, we are entrepreneurial. We've done many different things in our careers. And it was about three years ago, I uh, started my own consulting company and I really wanted to pursue um, an art, 
arts-based business as well as I paint and sell art. And both Laura and I have that sort of mixed background. And what I found when I went out into the world on my own with my business is that, at least in our region specifically, there was a real lack of community in this space. So creators, artists, makers who are you know, pursuing a business. And this is not a traditional way to make a living, you know, like there isn't a one size fits all for creatives. And so I thought, how great would it be to have a place where multi-passionate, multidisciplinary creatives could come together to have that camaraderie, to have that peer to peer support and just have a community when you're Um, In most cases, you're an entrepreneur or a solopreneur, so you're working by yourself. Mm. So um, after not being able to find it, the the short story, the short version of this is that we then went out and created it. And so uh, it was a no brainer. Um, Laura and I met through her now partner. Um, He was a great friend of mine, actually one of my roommates. And as soon as we met, we became fast friends found that we had such good chemistry, a great background. So then it was just a no brainer to ask her if she would go on this adventure with me of starting the community and the podcast. And now it's um, becoming a business. So that's our little love story. (laughs) Fantastic. And uh, yeah, I I, I love the podcast. It's got so many uh, great takeaways each week. And uh, this week I want to talk about social media, which is – uh, something that uh, a lot of uh, photographers that are starting out are really confused about and uh, not, not sure what social media platform to use. There's a lot of fear around using social media, even though it's been around for 10 years, or what to post and, and just how to get your name out there. So uh, even if you, like, you're not necessarily selling your work, but you want to promote yourself without feeling... Um, icky about it or pushy or thirsty. So um, <laughs> first yes. question, uh, which social media should you be using? Should we be on all of them? No. <laughs> yeah, the short answer is no. Yes. Um, so, you know, I think that's that's a bit of a myth. There's a, um, a narrative out there and a pressure to be everywhere just because of the way that things work right now. But we always instruct people to be very specific about the platforms that you're picking and to start with one and do a great job at that. And then once you get the hang of it and you do some learning, then start to expand. But then on the other side of the coin, it's about what platform is going to work best for your craft for your business, for your goals. And right away with photography, um, you would want to pick a platform that caters to your medium. So what is going to show off the the visuals and um, those platforms today that are like, you know, the most popular would be Instagram. You know, maybe it's YouTube if you're a videographer, photographer mix. Um, Mm -hmm. And then uh, Facebook is a good one too, but generally speaking, Instagram is like the place to be as a photographer right now. And the other thing I would say there is just also like once you're kind of, you know, maybe you start with one and maybe you're not sure if that's where your audience is. But I think a big question that you need to ask yourself as you're getting more and more into it is where is my audience? Because mm-hmm. um, if you're blasting stuff out to no one, <laughs> then yeah. that's not yeah it's very true (laughs) so there are like something like 
When I got into social media, Twitter was the place to be. In fact, it was the only social media platform. And, and when, like, I was a very early adopter of Twitter and someone had to explain it. In fact, my co-host, Valerie, explained it to me. And even as she was explaining it to me, it didn't make any sense. I'm like, so you tweet in 140 characters what you're doing or where you're going. She's like, yes. And I'm like, what's the point? I don't understand. She's like, just do it and you'll see the point. I'm like, I don't get it. But I got on and I was very quickly addicted. Within a couple of weeks, I'm like, oh, this is great. And I just used it to practice my stand-up. All I did all day was just tweet one-liners about what was going on in the world. And interestingly enough, the more I, um, the more authentic I was in what I tweeted and the less I cared about what I said, I mean, you know, I was didn't say whatever I thought, but the, the, the less sort of um, self-aware I was when I did it, it, it like the, 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 the more followers I got. And, and people would just come up to me and said, oh, you're really funny and we love your work. And I got work out of it just by being authentic. And then Twitter became this angry <laughs> sort of yes. place where people were fighting. And so I quickly sort of lost interest. And then suddenly it was Instagram. And I know that uh, eventually Instagram will not be the place where all the cool kids are and it'll be something else. So there's, um, uh, what is there, uh, Snapchat and TikTok. I don't understand either of them. I've been to both of them and I'm like, this doesn't make sense. It's not intuitive. <laughs> I know that's a deliberate thing because they want to keep old people off those platforms, right? Yes. <laughs> and yes, you're not wrong. Not wrong about that, yeah. <laughs> but um, should we, when there is a new social media platform um, introduced, should we um, set up a set up a profile and just, um, you know, park it and, and maybe down the track you might pick it up. Is that important to do so that you do have that sort of consistency uh, in your brand? So you've got, you've got all the platforms, but you don't necessarily have to use them. Yes. Yes. So, um, I was very similar to you, um, with my start to social media as well. I started with Twitter and, you know, you, you, all of us, when we get started, we put in so much effort to really figure, fine tune it and figure out what we're using it for. And you start to build up that community and that following. And it can be, it can be pretty devastating if you use it, especially for um, your portfolio or your business to see a platform much like Twitter did um, kind of fall to the wayside and become a little bit less relevant um, when, for instance, Instagram and even Snapchat entered the picture. And, and we will, we, to your point, we're going to continue to see that happen. Um, now more than ever, technology is advancing at a crazy rate. And so I think, um, what our suggestion and what we would say is again, like make sure that you have a good understanding of where your audience is playing. It's all about like where to play and how to win. So knowing where your people are and if you're starting and you're early and you're not quite sure yet, that's the time to play on the different platforms and figure it out as you go. And once you get a little bit more um, further along on your journey and you have a good idea of who your customer is, you have a good idea of where they're spending their time online um, and you start to create your portfolio online for them to engage with it. Um, 
then just make sure that you're always kind of stoking and nurturing that main platform. Maybe it's one or two that, you know, work really well for yourself as new ones come along. Definitely. I encourage everyone to make an account, um, so that you have your brand name on it. You can just sort of park it and you can play around with it. And I, what I personally do is I'll, I'll do that and then I'll wait because not all new platforms make it. And so, uh, before you invest your, you know, precious energy and resources, just play around with it, see how it feels, see, and, and just keep your eyes peeled for, um, the growth of that platform, because you might see that your audience on Instagram, for example, moves over to, um, that new platform. And then, then, then it's going to be of value to you. And they do evolve, don't they, these these uh, platforms? Because I, I remember when Instagram first came out, it, what it was in the early, early years was a platform where most people were sharing images taken from their smartphones mm-hmm. only. And it was a real yes. no-no to post an image that was uh, taken on a, a proper camera. So it was just about sharing, you know, um, images taken off iPhones and then now it's evolved into this something completely different. So is that likely to happen to TikTok? Should I get a TikTok account? I do not understand the point of TikTok. Do you have a TikTok account? No, no, I don't. No, no we don't. <laughs> okay, so so you're not recommending to your businesses that you're mentoring that you, you know you should have a TikTok account and no, not necessarily. <laughs> and uh, I I just think it's very funny. I think it's a valid question because um, you know both Snapchat and TikTok are about sharing like those little snippets, those videos. It's about entertaining. And, um, when I look at, say, teach some workshops about these different platforms, but when you really dive into how they are created and who they're being created for, um, I, I would say that both Snapchat and TikTok are being made for the next generation, the younger generation, Gen Z, you know, et cetera. And, uh, they are not intuitive, because they don't want older people. They don't want us to, to stick around because it's too complicated for us and we don't have time. So yeah, I'd say like, there's a reason why you go on there and you're not enjoying it. (laughs) Sorry, I look at those two platforms and I think, well, Vine was very similar because that was little snippets of video. And there are, there are many um, entrepreneurs who got on there and did really well on Vine, mm-hmm. like really well, like millions and millions of followers, but then that just completely died. And yeah, then yeah. Th- they had to all start again. So, um, but, but that and hasn't that's, happened that's, with Snapchat. It's still, it's still really popular and TikTok is as well, but it's just not for us and it's probably not um, worth investing in at this point. No, yeah, like not that, unless yeah. your uh, your target audience is that Gen Z, yep. like young, super young millennial um, audience. Like if that's who you want to create images for or like who you have a business for, then like, sure, it makes sense to figure that channel out or hire someone who is in that age group to help you figure it out. Uh, but for, uh, yeah, I would say generally speaking, it, I wouldn't. 
Unless again, like Put that time, like Laura said, unless your audience is there. So I'll give a, like an example here. Um, when I worked at a marketing agency, one of my clients was Revlon and Revlon all over the world has different, um, sort of like sub brands mm-hmm. and sub product lines. And so there was this one product line that they were coming out with, which was for preteens and with, I handled all the social media strategy and, and campaigns for them and before that product line, they were not on Snapchat, but we specifically launched out Snapchat so that they could reach that desired customer segment. And we we had a great campaign and it, it did reach it, but ultimately they didn't stick with it because majority of their products and product lines are not for teenagers. Right. And so it was an interesting test and it just goes to show like, you know, if you do come out with something that's meant for, I would say younger people, then you have to, the next question you should be asking yourself is okay where are these younger people hanging out yeah. <laughs> how do we engage with them so yeah i think tiktok is uh very much similar to vine when it first came out it's i think it's gaining traction with that specific audience right 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 so <laughs> many of the listeners uh, are in the process of like sort of growing a, a following and the, and growing their business and so the majority also have uh, a corporate sponsor or it's actually a full-time job, but I like to call it a corporate sponsor. So why are you getting off the ground? So um, doing that when you've got a full-time job and then you've got your side hustle and then you've got uh, social media on top of that, have you guys got any tips on um, how to manage sort of that that life balance uh, thing without burning out? Because it, it, it can feel a bit overwhelming at first. You've got to post to all these different places and make sure that the posts are out at a certain time. What are your strategies for doing that? You go ahead. Yeah. Um, so a lot of our uh, community members too share that, and I love the corporate sponsor. Um, yeah, that's, thing. that's like the Stealing best. It. Yeah. Yeah. That's Take it. It's your horse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think our audience will love that too. Um, but yeah, so we deal with this a lot. Um, uh, there's a, when you choose to start something up on the side, you're making a conscious decision to take on more. And usually it's with uh, like a short term goal in mind so that eventually you can move away from that corporate sponsor. (laughs) And so um, in the short term, just being fully aware that you are choosing to take on more for a desired outcome. And for a little while, it's going to feel like a lot. And there are lots of little things that you can do to sort of manage your time uh, really nurture and take care of your mindset and your health during that time. And the one thing I want to say, and then I'm going to pass it to Laura is really treat your side hustle or your side gig like a job and don't half ass it. Um, you know, and that looks like scheduling time in really being mindful of your calendar. So definitely go to that corporate sponsor, that day job and do a great job. And then when you get home, do things that are going to help reground you. Like you need to eat, you need to move your body, you need to get good sleep, but then schedule in some time to then put in the hours on your, your side hustle so that you're, you're, um, moving forward and, and doing that consistently. And then another really big thing that's really helped us to launch out our side gig together was all of that. And then 
batching work and that, Mm. that, that carries over into your social media. So Laura can speak to that and why that's important. That, that is a, that has been sort of one of the, that's one of the big, uh, sort of goals that we have for ourselves, uh, this ourselves this year is, um, really taking, we've identified all of those, sort of things that we have to do every day. So doing the podcast, doing social media, um, we have meetups that we do every month. We have certain events that we do, um, that are sort of happen regularly. Um, and putting all as much of that as possible on autopilot. And so kind of what that means for us is, um, you know, recording all of our podcasts for an entire month in one day or Mm -hmm. two days. Um, it looks like figuring out what are, we sort of have a regular schedule for our social media. So figuring out, uh, what content is going to fill each of those slots and preparing it all in a co- over a couple of days. So like really looking at trying to get all of that stuff that takes, can take over your life and feel like a, a crazy amount of work, getting it done in, you know, sort of two to five days at the, uh, of a month and then putting, scheduling it as much as you can and kind of, again, having it go on autopilot so you don't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. To that point too is, um, so for everyone listening, um, think about what that looks like for you. So is that, did you just do a shoot and maybe it was a wedding and you have a bunch of content that you can then use and repurpose to start sharing your volume of work, um, your style. And if you wanted to, for instance, get more, you know, we'll just say destination wedding gigs or whatever it is for the following year and making sure you have a bucket of that content to be sharing on your platforms and then just crafting the story around it. And the thing that's really going to be a game changer for that feeling of like overwhelm or getting to feeling burnt out is, just being getting ahead of it. So batching that out and scheduling it. And so when we're talking about scheduling, there's so many tools available to you specifically with um, social media. Unfortunately for platforms like Instagram, they don't allow you to connect like third party Mm. um, automatic scheduling tools, but there are some apps out there that will allow you to um, plan as we call it on Instagram, your grid. So you can start to um, map out what the posts for the next month, for example, will look like. And then you can, you know, schedule it into your calendar with a a certain cadence so that it's so that you're showing up consistently. And I'd say the thing that's going to help get you ahead, if you do nothing else, just stay consistent. Yeah. That'll get you there. Yeah. And so is there a, is there a number of times you should be posting or is it just that idea to be consistent so that the people that are following you know that they can expect something from you every day or every week or every month? Is there, is there a, is there a figure that you should be trying to aim towards? So for me, I would say, I mean, Lace might, her background is social media, so she might have an actual answer for this. But for me, I would say when you're just starting out, it does feel overwhelming to think about having to create content um, like from scratch. Mm. Um, and so the idea of doing that every day, probably it's probably not the best place to start. Cause you will, you'll probably end up feeling overwhelmed and then not continue. Um, so I would say, think about what feels, um, like a doable amount of times to post. If that's 
once a week to start or twice a week to start. Cool. Just get those times, like start making it a part of your regular schedule and make it something that you're doing consistently every single week. And then once you've kind of got that, that habit created for yourself, then you can start to explore adding more. Uh, but yeah, I would say consistency is probably the, Mm -hmm. the most important thing to do to have in that. Yeah. And, and, Uh, To add on here too, it's also going to really depend on the platforms you're using as well. So um, I imagine a lot of, you know, the people listening today are, I imagine we'll have people with um, their stuff on one platform and then you might be in the camp of people that have your things on all the platforms (laughs) that have ever existed. And so um, this, this is going to feel different to each and every one of us, but just like a little golden rule is to, like Laura said, pick something and start with, with a goal that's realistic. Um, I would say don't bite off too much too soon. Um, because with consistency, it's just, you have to just build the habit. And, um, so what you could do with your platform. So there are tools like, Hootsuite, Sprout Social, and there are uh, Buffer. There are um, these tools that you can access that will allow you to uh, plan your content calendar and to schedule it ahead of time. So let's just say you got to the point where you batched out a bunch of your work and you're organized and you're feeling good about the next month. And then what you would do next is take, for instance, one of those scheduling tools, and then you can just start to drag and drop your content into that and schedule it to go out on a specific day. This is when it's going to start to feel way less overwhelming because then you can look at your calendar and see, okay, I've got two posts per week going out for the next month. Once you have that taken care of, it clears up so much mental space for you to then go onto your platforms. Maybe you schedule like half an hour every day where you'd go on and you just check in and you engage with people and you know, if you're less worried about manually, um, updating and posting things every day, then you have more space to show up authentically and engage with your community. Cause that's more than anything. That's what's going to help you grow online. Um, so yeah, I'd say like, for instance, what we do and we've fluctuated as we've learned more about our audiences, we just wanted to start small. So I think in the beginning, in the beginning, when we had zero followers, um, we were posting once every day just mm. to really kick, kickstart some growth. Once we started to see some growth, then we scaled back because there's also, I mean, I hate to say it guys, but there is uh, too much. You might be uh, posting too much to the point uh, where you might be, um, for lack of a better word, annoying your audience. Right. Right. So there is it's a double edged sword there. So figure it out, really like lean in and listen to um, what people how people are reacting to your content. And you can see that in the in the comments and the engagement in the likes and the analytics. But when you're just starting um, for us, we, we committed to once a day on, uh, I think we started with Facebook and Instagram just to kickstart some growth. And then we scaled back and I think we went to maybe it was three posts a week. And, um, with a lot of these platforms too, there is the ability to share things like stories or little 
behind the scenes video clips. So for instance, with Instagram, you can now share stories, which you weren't able to do before. So I think uh, we're seeing a lot of people using stories to show the process behind the scenes. And that's a little easier to just post up and share something off the cuff without having to pre-plan that. So there's lots of different avenues to explore here. And um, I know that can feel a bit overwhelming, but just start small and start with something that feels feasible for you. I love that. There's some great takeaways there. And and the analogy that I, uh, that I always come back to uh, for doing that and consistency and um, developing habits is uh, the same as when you're working out and trying to get a good body. And so like, you know, when I was in my teens, I was obsessed with Madonna and I wanted uh, abs and uh, biceps just like hers. And so I started at the gym. And, of course, what happens when everyone starts at the gym is they're like, I'm going to go every day, I'm going to go four hours a day, and I'm going to get this body in a month. And you realize that it just doesn't happen like that. So you could do a 1,000 sit-ups in a day. You're not going to get uh, a set of, uh, you know, a six-pack, are you? But, and then, you know, as I grew older and a little bit wiser, I realized that I don't need to work that hard. As long as I'm consistent, I'm going to see results, but I need to play the long game here. And so, you know, I, I, I managed to get it down to working out once a week. And that was enough to, to at some point I did, I got abs and I did get biceps as well. Um, so, but, but that, but the, it's, it's that consistency and also that um, developing habits. And uh, there's like some, uh, a lot of fitness trainers um, tell you that uh, get rid of all the obstacles that stop you from um, doing, reaching those goals. And so some fitness trainers tell you to, when you're starting out, sleep in your workout gear Mm -hmm. so that so that all you have to do is get up and walk out the door and some even say um don't even if if it's the thought of going to the gym is too much then just make it that all you need to do is get out of bed and walk out the door you don't have to do anything else and then eventually once you're out the door you say well I'm here now I may as well keep going and go for a walk or a run or go to the gym and so you can do that with social media you can just say all right I'm not aiming to get 5 million followers in the next month I just want to post every day or every other day until and then it does it becomes automatic and it becomes a lot easier doesn't it once you set that happy once that habit forms it's like you know, we brush our teeth without thinking about it. But if you were to leave the house without brushing your teeth, you'd know about it. So I guess that's, <laughs> that social media habit would be the same thing. You know, you, you just, you know that, oh, I've forgotten something. I haven't posted on social media today. Totally. And I think a thing that has helped us also is just like, get yourself a big calendar. And maybe it's just like one of those big whiteboard calendars. Yeah. We use that to plan out our social media. And we've just started like at the beginning and uh, the end of every month, we look forward into the next month and we just go, go down the days. So Mondays are meet your maker posts. So who are our meet your makers going to be, uh, or who are our makers going to be for those posts? Tuesday is Tuesday takeovers. Who's going to do the takeovers for those months or for those days. Um, and so on and so forth. And just, you know, if you have that plan every day, it just, it makes it feel 
feel a lot less jumbled in your mind. You're not trying to think of everything. Uh, You've got it in black and white. And then I know who I'm like, what content I'm trying to find and who I'm reaching out to. And it just makes it easy. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. I I love those. uh, I love whiteboards and I love wall calendars and I'm a big fan of uh, writing things down old school. It doesn't seem to um, stick in my mind as well or or forming ideas doesn't work as well when I'm uh, inputting them into a, 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 you know, a device. Uh, I think that, that, uh, that the art of writing it down um, and seeing it that, that visually just works so much better. Agreed. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I want to talk about selling and sharing your work. Now, um, I I was raised by uh, Sicilian parents that taught me that you never um, talk yourself up. Uh, because that that kind of uh, will jinx any future success that you might have. So I was always taught to, you know, be humble, never talk about yourself, never brag, never boast. And so um, starting out in social media for me felt a bit boasty and braggy and thirsty. And I know that there's a lot of people that uh, share my and, and a bit dirty as well uh, that 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 share my um, sort of thoughts on on that as well. How, as an artist starting out, do you get over that 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 feeling that um you, that you are bragging or boasting, and uh, how do you share your work on social media without feeling dirty? That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. That's yeah. I think a lot of us can relate to those feelings, like you know how we're raised. I think especially too, we see as women, mm-hmm. we're sort of trained that way in society not to, you know, talk, talk ourselves up. And then in this space of creative entrepreneurs, uh, what you're doing a lot of times is so closely tied to your heart. It's so closely tied to who you identify with as a person that when it comes time to, you know, put a price tag on that and put it out into the world, it can start to feel icky because we're mixing the emotions of like, you know, self-worth and who we are. And there's lots of fear. There's fear that's tied to rejection. There's fear that's tied to feedback or even just getting crickets. It's, it's such a, 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 an interesting and peculiar space, especially for creatives, because you're not just selling, you know, insurance. You're not just selling things that people need or that are necessities. You're selling a lot of things that, you know, you love and care about and you're so passionate about, but also you're selling things that are want to have. People don't necessarily need it in their lives, but they want it in their lives. And so I think just really understanding and grasping that was a really big step, especially for myself and starting to sell my things online. Um, and since then, after talking to hundreds of creatives about this, we've learned that, um, there's a place where you can start. Uh, I think it's, it would be easy for us to sit here and say, just do it, mm-hmm. you know, like get over it, just do it. You're good. You're <laughs> going to be fine. But that's not good advice. That's not, that doesn't feel easy to do at all. Um, so what I tell people to start with is, well, this is, kind of a two-parter answer. Start with why. Why are you doing what you're doing? The thing that you're about to share, what brought you to it in the first place? So really dig deep into why it matters to you, just first of all, because that puts you in a really good headspace. Um, And it takes the pressure off of you yourself, like bragging 
quote unquote, bragging about yourself. Mm -hmm. So think of why it is that you do what you do. And then an easy place to start is if it doesn't feel cozy or comfortable to start talking about yourself just yet, um, what you could do in it's sort of like the training wheels of self-promotion is talk about the thing itself, whether it's a product or a service or a thing, um, what's the story of it? So I think we get so um, stuck in, okay, so for example, okay, th these are some, this is a collection of portraits that, you know, I took, you know, when I was at the cottage. Okay, that's one thing. Here's the price. Dive into it. It's about evoking emotions, evoking senses. Um, so to really speak to the story behind the thing that you're sharing. And I find that if you start with focusing on sharing the story of the thing that you're making or selling, it can be a little easier than starting with who you are and, you know, putting yourself out there. And then it's all about, again, consistency and practicing because it gets a little easier every time you press publish and share it with the world. You know, it's like close your eyes and clench your fists and just press publish and go. <laughs> You know, and then and then let it go, because then I always say to people, once it's in the ether, the Internet, the interwebs, it's no longer yours. What you did is you brought it to life and now you're sharing it with the world. Now let the world decide how they want to use it and engage with it. And don't really try to practice that that um, mantra of it's it's not going to say anything about you as a person. This is just a thing that you're now sharing with the world. So let them decide. And then like the next stage of that is once you get more comfy with the process of sharing and talking about the story of a thing. So, so for instance, when I was selling my art, I wasn't even comfortable with the idea of saying I was a painter. Mm. I think there's, there's like a, a whole thread on identity here. And so how are you showing up in the world? A lot of us, if you have a full-time job, when you're at a party and you're introducing yourself, a lot of people will start with, oh, I'm a marketer at a firm called XYZ. Right. And, and then you'll say something like, oh, and maybe I take photos on the side or I'm an artist on the side. Um, it's so funny to me the, the difference in how someone will, um, their energy when they say, oh, I'm da 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 I do this at, you know, my day job. And then, you know, this is what I do on the side. Start with what you're doing on the side. So start practicing um, introducing yourself as a poet, as a photographer, as an artist, you know, as a designer, as a writer. And really, that's going to help you get more comfortable with the identity that you need to step into if you're going to do this and start sharing it and showing up in the world as that person. So that was that's another piece, too, is just it's all about like those incremental steps to get to a place where it starts to feel more comfortable. And before you know it, it's going to be really easy to start sharing. OK, this is who I am in the world. This is why I create what I create. Um, this specific piece right here, it means a lot to me because I was here when I when I came up with the idea for it. And then that next piece is, OK, now share the process of how does something like this come to be created by you? And that's what people want. They want to buy from other people. So really, really zoom in on who you are, what you care about and why you do what you do and then how it's made. That's what's going to make people buy from you again and again. I love that. I love the owning the idea of owning what you do. And I see a lot of uh, photographers that are starting out that will have a social media profile and in the bio it will say, I'm a learner. 
learner photographer or I'm a part-time photographer or there's no mention of of that or or so your advice is just to own it and say I'm a I'm a photographer and I specialize in these areas yeah um and the other thing I would say in that is because again that that is uncomfortable and Mm. For myself, I am a like a big old in, or a introvert, huge introvert. We're all introverts. Um, <laughs> Most yeah, of us and, are. Uh, so I, I, so I already struggle with that small talk thing. Yeah. Uh, it's super uncomfortable for me. I don't like doing it. Uh, and so when people ask me questions like that, the thing I want to do is like get out of there as fast as I can. And so I do tend to default to this is what I do in my day job because I don't want to have to, you know, dig deep and try to figure out how to explain to them what I do in the thing that I actually care about. Um, but so to get, kind of get past that, I think the big thing there is practice. You need to, you need to practice that sort of elevator pitch, that, that, that thing that gives you the, this is what I do. This is why I do it. This is, you know, the kind of work that I do practice it, sit down with, you know, a friend, a partner, someone who is also a photographer, uh, a mentor, and just go through it and talk about it and, and give that elevator uh, pitch. Cause the, the thing that'll happen there is that if you're doing it with people who really know you, they will, they'll be able to kind of help you say, like, see yourself in a different way. Cause you probably will describe yourself. You'll describe yourself in one way, the way you see yourself. And then, they'll be able to sort of mirror that back and say, but what about this? Like you also do this and like, what about Mm -hmm. that thing? And, and, and help you kind of craft that story and then just practice. Mm -hmm. And the more you do it, the easier it'll be. Yeah, that's great advice. Uh, So doing it with your friends who will call you out and they'll say, no, no, like, you know, own it, own, own what you are. And, and, and they can really help you sort of uh, feel better about uh, the, the images that you're creating and and what it is that you're doing. Um, Just on that, how do you get around the imposter syndrome? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's such a big, that's such a big question. That's something that we're ta- we're asked about all the time and something that we hear from our audience all the time. Yes. Imposter syndrome and, and comparing yourself to others. This is, um, it's a big thing for everyone. I think no matter where you're at on your you know, professional, personal journey, there will always be times where you'll experience this imposter syndrome. So like, who am I to be doing this? Who am I to call myself an artist? Um, why would anyone ever want my advice or buy from me? These are the questions and this is the spiral that begins to happen when we experience it. And, you know, there's no one right answer to overcome this. I think the first step is, becoming aware of it. So observing it as these are thoughts that you're having. These are, this is not facts. Uh, I think really, um, getting to a place where you can discern when, um, you know, I'm thinking and feeling these things, but are they true? You know, uh, I think we can all be our own worst critic and it's sort of like that, that bully on your shoulder. Mm. Um, that's that, um, negative self-talk that happens. It's just, it's all rooted in fear and self-doubt. So some things 
that uh, we would recommend to uh, overcome that and start to navigate it is find one person to start talking to about it and someone that you trust. I think um, the, the biggest thing that feeds imposter syndrome is then starting to hide and starting to not show up and starting to get quiet and introspect, like you, you start to almost like go back into yourself. Mm. And as I know, I do this a lot. Like whenever I've been experiencing imposter syndrome, I tend to want to just crawl into my little hole and not come out for a while. But the best thing that you can do is just, um, start to talk about it with someone that you trust. I know Laura and I've had many moments where we've come to each other saying, Oh man, this new thing we're doing. Whoa, (laughs) like starting to feel it. So, um, find one person that you can talk to about it. Remind yourself that everybody started from scratch. So I think a lot of things that can happen with imposter syndrome is it's it's rooted in your you start to especially now with social media you have access to so much information and you're seeing so many people online so what do we do we start to compare ourselves to you know other people that we might look up to or that are in our industry and then it can start to feel very defeating and then you start to say like who am i to you know think i can do this or I'll never get to where they are. These are just, these are thoughts going through our heads. Um, and it's things that everyone experiences, even those people that you look up to, they, they feel it too. So just remind yourself that everybody is on their own journey. Um, everybody started from scratch. Um, I would, you know, be brave, reach out to someone who you look up to. Cause oftentimes a mentor can be very helpful in these areas too, to, to remind you and to share their own stories with you to be like, yeah, I remember when I was where you're at and these feelings are normal, but you got to just push through and continue on because you are so unique and your specific experiences and skill sets are one of a kind. No one else has them. So if you don't show up and get out there with your work, wherever you're at, then so many people in the world are going to miss out on that special thing that you have to give. So yeah, it's, it's a bit of a gray area because it's going to continue to happen. But the more that you can separate you, the person from the thoughts you're having around this, the better, and just try to surround yourself with good influences and and positive mentors and, and support systems that can help you navigate it. So for instance, like our community, um, we've heard so many stories and feedback about people joining the community and then feeling less alone. Yeah. And yeah. then thereby kind of um, helping with those feelings of imposter syndrome. So getting around like-minded people too, I think is important. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's um, that's a great point to end on, a really positive point. And, you know, we, we have – you've got the opportunity to be surrounded by people and just just hearing from someone else, it's like, oh, yeah, I have those thoughts all the time. Or, yes, I had that experience. It can be so helpful. And you think, oh, right, I'm not I'm not unique in these feelings. So that's uh, yes. fantastic. Um, that, that's been amazing. So many great takeaways, Laura and Lacey. Where can people find you? Yeah, so people can find us. Uh, our website is www.makerscollective.club. Um, and then you can, the, the best place on social media to find us is Instagram. We are at makers underscore underscore collective. Um, and so we, yeah, we're on there most often. You can DM us, you can, you know, 
yeah. chat with us. Reach out anytime. We're, we're, here. we're always available and we've got some, we're just really excited about this next year because we're starting to um, light up some things that are digitally available. So not just locally to our region, um, because we have we have people all over the world that we love to connect with that are part of the community. Uh, fun fact for you guys, Australia is our top three um, country of listeners. For excellent. Our excellent. <laughs> yeah, um, so we love it. So <laughs> the <laughs> the Makers Collective is the name of your podcast, and it's uh, it, it, it's it's targeted towards artists in general. But there are some so many great podcast uh, episodes on there that that, that will help uh, photographers. So really great content. So I encourage everyone to uh, have a listen to that. Um, Thank you so much uh, for the chat, Laura and Lacey. I'd love to have you guys back on and we can do a deep dive in some uh, into some other topics if that's okay. Absolutely. We would love that. We would yeah. love that. All right. And what a pleasure. What a pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks so much, guys. Okay. Okay. Bye. <laughs> we'll talk soon. All right. So that was Lacey Heels and Laura Hart from the Makers Collective. And you can find out more about them at makerscollective.club. That's makerscollective.club. Fantastic. All right. We're almost at the end of this week's episode, but we can't finish, of course, until we do Aussie slang word of the week, right? (laughs) Yes. What's our Aussie slang of the week, Gina? This is a good one. It's Yui. So it's U-E-Y. So (laughs) pronounced U-E. And it is Aussie slang for a U-turn or changing the direction of a vehicle 180 degrees. So if you're driving along and you need to uh, double back and uh, do a U-turn, your chuck a U-E is the Aussie way to say it. I had to chuck a U-E in my U-E. That's right. Well, you can chuck a U-E in any car. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. If you need to do a U-turn, you say, I'll chuck a U-E over here. But the interesting thing is that in Sydney, well, I assume New South Wales, which is the state I live in, you can't chuck a U-E at traffic lights. However, if you are living where Gina is, there are some traffic lights that you can chuck a U-E at, Yeah. isn't there? Yeah. So you've got to be careful or you'll get a ticket. Yeah, but, you know, if you want to be a real Australian, then you should have uh, a ute with a dog in the back Mm-mm-mm. and then you yes. chuck a Yui in that. And I've always wished, my wish is to have, you know how you've got the sat-nav that tells you where to go? I want an Aussie version of that that says, all right, coming up in 50 metres, you need to chuck a Yui at Dave's house. <laughs> That's how I want my sat-nav to speak. You mean Davo's house? Davo's house just near the servo. So we used to have a ute and uh, there's a magazine in Australia called Outback Magazine and you can imagine Outback Magazine, there's, <laughs> you know, it's there's real Aussie blokes in it and, and there's, a, there's a page at the back of um, uh, working dogs. So there's lots of dogs, you know, um, Border Collies and German Shepherds and um, sheep dogs and these really tough, rambunctious dogs and people send their photos in. Of, of their dogs usually on the land or on a farm or, or with some sheep or some horses and that kind of thing because it is called Outback Magazine, right? Yep. So um, this was when I had darling little Rambo. Remember yes. my, my adorable baby Rambo? So Rambo was a tiny, tiny two-kilo <laughs> 
Maltese Chihuahua, fluffy white, tiny, tiny dog. I put him in a little French sailor's outfit. It was a red and white striped. <laughs> you pushed him up, Val. <laughs> <laughs> and I put him on the ute in the paddock. So there he is on this gigantic ute. And uh, I took the photo, sent it to Outback magazine. And amidst all of the big, beefy dogs, <laughs> dogs. That they featured on the page he had the hero shot of, of rambo on the ute <laughs> and with a name like rambo and actually val that is a great idea for a personal project if anyone wants to embark mm. on that working dogs of australia or working dogs of the world and you could have just uh do a whole series of dogs and their utes yep yeah just like very, girls very- Bikini girls with machine guns, which is someone's <laughs> personal project. Have you ever seen that? No. It's a thing, Val. There is a like websites where um, girls in bikinis pose with machine guns. Okay, great. And you can get like there is footage of them firing the machine guns. It's a big deal. But this is, uh, I think, the dogs and in their working dogs in their yes. utes would be, you know, another thing. Yeah, much better. Much All better. Right. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on all social media. And if you want to be mentored by me, then check out the Gold community. So that's go to ginamilitia.com and click on join the community. And if you want to come to Sicily, then uh, go Mm. to uh, check out the uh, workshop that I have coming up in June this year, June 2020. And if you want more information on that, go to sicilianfoodtours.com and click on uh, my photo workshop. Fantastic. And it's going to be an awesome workshop. you can what? find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram, where I'm planning to do more stories of behind the scenes of the lead-up to the Sydney Lunar Festival, oh, awesome. including all of the workshops, um, as in, as in, you know, the, 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 the workshops where we put together the art installations, yeah. so behind-the-scenes assemblage and stuff like that coming up. Um, and I'm at Valerie Koo, K-H-O-O, and also at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.